Good morning, everyone. If you would take your seats. Um, I'm glad to see our young people sitting here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had question and answer time, there were some questions that came up, and I haven't had a chance to deal with all of them, but I want to deal with one this morning. And the question was very intriguing. I, I, I made an attempt at answering, but the question was, is it better to do the right thing for the wrong reason or the wrong thing for the right reason? It was an excellent question. So the answer is, it's better to do the right thing for the right reason. <laughs> but between those two, uh, it's better to do the right thing even if it's for the wrong reason. Here's why. Two reasons. Number one, good behavior has its own rewards. Good behavior has its own rewards. Secondly, good behavior can lead to good outcomes. But let's take good behavior. Psalm 1, which is a very familiar psalm, says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the mocker, the scornful. Notice the progression there when you're doing wrong. You start out by just, okay, I, I'm, you know, I'm just going to just check this out, and then before you know it, not only are you you're just there, but now you are in one place. You start to absorb your surroundings. Then after a while, you get comfortable and you relax, and you're actually sitting in the middle of the muddle, and it becomes a terrible thing. But God says, if you don't do that, you'll be blessed. So, and then, of course, the, the cons contrast is, but on his law, he meditates day and night. So when you, when you decide, I'm not going to do the bad thing, but I am going to move toward doing right, there are tremendous blessings in that. In his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And then Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. So God's word is good. I mean, if you just decide, like for instance, you might be sitting here and, and maybe you're here because your mom asked you to come or your dad or, or your girlfriend and you want to make an impression or whatever. That's the reason you came. You know what? You're here. Amen. Amen. And good things can happen in a good place. And so it's even for the wrong reason. I remember um, when... Um, I used to direct a youth choir in my church in the South Bronx, and we had, well, we had a, a, a youth choir that was tremendous. And there was a guy in our neighborhood who played uh, football and basketball when I was going to high school. Um, he's a big guy. And uh, behind his back, we used to call him Yummy. Uh, but he didn't like that. But his name was, was, was Anthony. And uh, he was big, but he was very athletic. So he played football. He played basketball. And he was a player, you know what I'm saying. And so, so when he graduated from high school, and then now he's in college, he's going to the community college, and he noticed on Thursday night for choir rehearsal, a lot of fine-looking girls were going to the choir rehearsal. And so, uh, what, and he could sing. And so one day he showed up, showed up in church, you know, and then came back, and then he came up to me and said, man, you Hey man, you know you don't mind if I uh, like uh, if I join the choir, you know? I said, yeah, yeah, but look, come on in there and join. And he joined the choir. And after a while, he started coming to church regularly. And of course, you know what happened. One Sunday, my dad was the pastor. He was preaching. Conviction fell, and he met Christ, and his life was changed and transformed. 
but his initial reason for coming to church had nothing to do with God at all. <laughs> Sometimes, even though you do something good for the wrong reason, good can come out of it because good has its own rewards. Can you say amen? amen. So that's my answer to that question. And in the next couple of weeks, I'll uh, take another you know, couple of questions in the morning that I didn't get to so we can deal with it because it's important to answer our questions. So our verse for the year is Luke 2.52. We're in the process of a series called Solid Growth. And Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So that's the verse for the year. And our context, rather our goal, is to grow. Everybody wants to grow and get better and develop and be more in touch with God and more in touch with people be more responsible in our job, more responsible in our relationships. So we all want to grow. Anybody who does not want to grow in here, say nothing. Because <laughs> we all want to grow. I mean, that's why we're even here. We desire to be better today than we were yesterday and grow in our faith. So along with that, I've asked you to come up with your own verse for the year. So has anybody uh, chosen a verse for the year? And would you like to, I think last week, uh, Sarah shared with us her verse for the year. But anybody else have a verse for the year? And the, the whole idea is if that's your verse for the year, you continually read that verse so that it moves from here to here. And once it moves in here, then it translates itself to how we behave because we keep focusing on it and meditating on it. Anybody got one you want to share with us? Now, when I usually ask a question, there are two people that I can guarantee are going to respond. One is Ed and the other is Daniel. And I love responses from both of them because they are on the point. But for some of the rest of us who are maybe you're like me, who are slightly introvertish, we need a few seconds to think about stuff. So let's just wait a second. If there's somebody here and you're thinking, yeah, I do have a verse. You don't have to have memorized it, but Elvira, would you like to... Uh, Maybe I can come to you. You can, but uh, let me bring. Okay, mine is uh, Psalm forty-six one. Uh, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in time of need, and He's always been there for me. Wow! How did you arrive at that verse? Uh. I had heard it when I first became a born-again Christian, mm -hmm. and then I went through big trials, mm. <laughs> and that one plus uh, God was, I loved the one, and I'm not sure exactly where it is, um, the one that says that Jesus will, uh, oh, it's just passing in my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The one that says, I will never leave you. You'll forsake you. Oh, yes. Forsake uh -huh. you. And I, that one has been with me through mm. a lot of trials. Yes, yes. And a lot of, and it just blesses me to no end. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Anybody else have one that you'd like to share with us? Come on, if our new worship team member. Huh? Okay. So um, the verse that I picked out for this year was um, 1 John 2.13, which is uh, 
I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle. Sorry. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. Um, and that's just really important to me because um, I have to remember that it's important that it's a constant battle to mm. um, continue to grow in my faith. And it's not something that I have, I can stop doing. I have to fight for it. And um, that's something that sometimes I forget and I get lazy. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to read my Bible this week. I'm doing well. And so that's just kind of a reminder for me to continue to push forward. Great. Thank you, Zoe. Amen. Constant battle. And so we have to contend for the faith. I'm going to ask us to, uh, in a minute, stand today because um, we're going to look at wisdom. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Today we're going to look at wisdom, God's wisdom. And let's read the text together. It's James 1 verses 5 through 8, and we're using the New Living Translation. Let's stand together. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. The word of God for the people of God. Now, give the person next to you a high five and tell them, look out, I'm about to grow in wisdom. <laughs> you may be seated. As I'm driving along, I always notice uh, the bumper stickers. I've seen some very interesting things on bumpers on the back of cars. And uh, a couple of these that I guess pertain to wisdom. And here are a few of them. Forget about world peace. Visualize using your turn signal. Change is inevitable except from a vending machine. Here's one. If your dad asks you, do you think I'm stupid? Don't answer. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in public schools. Sometimes I wake up grumpy and other times I let him sleep. Where there's a will... I want to be in it. <laughs> okay, who stopped the payment on my reality check? It's lonely at the top, but you eat better. And then finally, very funny, Scotty. Now beam down my clothes. <laughs> so all of us carry collective wisdom passed on by people who've been most significant in our lives. And, of course, we pick up this wisdom from parents and friends, from relatives, the barber, just about everyone. And we pick up this wisdom uh, from people who help shape us. And uh, some of this wisdom is helpful. <laughs> some of it is just plain wrong. <clears throat> and um, I remember I was a teenager, and one afternoon, 
me and a couple of my friends, uh, we were planning on spending the afternoon with a couple of girls we knew at their apartment before their parents came home from work. Now, I was imagining exactly what we would be doing, and uh, I wanted to go, but I was scared of what might happen if her mother came in and caught us, especially since she went to our church. And her mother knew my parents. How was I going to explain that? So my buddy who was with me, Winston, said, oh, Henry, that's easy. Just, just if, if you get caught, just lie and say I wasn't doing anything. I said, just lie? He said, yeah. He said, in fact, one day I got caught in a room with a girl and her mother came in and caught us right in the act. I said, well, what did you do? He said, and I'll never forget this. He said, always lie. Even if you get caught in the middle of something, tell them it's not what you think. I went, wow. Thankfully, I didn't go. I didn't go because, uh, frankly, I didn't want to get caught. And secondly, I didn't go because I didn't want to have to lie. You see, my dad always said to me, um, he said, tell the truth. Hear this ringing in my brain now. Tell the truth and shame the devil. And then he said, tell the truth and shame the devil because in the end, it will help you make good choices for your life. And I've tried to live by that. So what kind of wisdom did people pass on to you? What models from coaches, parents, and teachers have shaped and molded you into what you are today? Some of it was good and some of it not so good. But the deal is when you're an adult, you have to learn to listen to the wise and discard the unwise. So as we pursue growth this year, please recognize there are no magic bullets for growth. Some of us have lived a lifetime of making our own decisions, and of course we reap the results from that. Some of us have not been bad necessarily, but we're like the person I described a few weeks ago that you know, we, we just want to buy a small cup of God. Not too much, but just enough for fire insurance. So I'm going to encourage us to change the way we think, which will result in new outcomes in our lives, which will produce blessing for others, joy for ourselves, and most of all, peace with God. In 2001, State Farm included as a single most dangerous intersection in America, the intersection of Pines Boulevard and Flamingo Road, located in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Now get this, there are 11 total traffic lanes traveling east and west, 11 on Pines Boulevard, with two turn lanes and nine traffic lanes moving north and south. According to State Farm, there were 357 traffic accidents at this intersection over a two-year period. Sometimes, sometimes we drive down the road of life and we come to dangerous intersections. We refer them, refer to them as forks in the road. There are those moments when a choice is made, we make or we don't make, sets us on a course that can influence the rest of our lives. Just this last week, I was watching, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes or one of those news programs, but it just gripped my heart. It was about a young man 
16 years old. Uh, his parents wanted the best for him, so they moved out of the inner city to suburbs in a nice community, and their son thrived in this community. But one Friday night, he just decided he wanted some excitement. And so he found out his friends were going to have a party. He usually didn't hang out with those guys. But he went to this party, and they had one of these drinking things where you turn the beer up and you guzzle it and, you know, competition on drinking. And by the time past midnight, he was so stinking drunk, he could not stand up and walk. And so his friend, because it was in the neighborhood, his friend walked him back home to his house, to what he thought was his house. And he opened the back side window of what he thought was his house, which is really his neighbor's house. And when he opened it to climb in, because by now it's four in the morning, the neighbor alarm went off. The neighbor got up and he sees this young man in the dark going up the steps. And he tells him to stop. No doubt the kid is thinking, my dad is mad at me and he wants to talk to me. He said, I'm telling you to stop. And he wouldn't stop. He had a gun. Shot him. Shot the boy dead as he was going up the steps. Brilliant young man with a great future. Handsome, sharp, intelligent. One choice altered for him stop the course of what could have been a great life. You know, we get to intersections and we got to ask the question, do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I keep going forward? Do I go back? And we honestly sometimes don't know. That's where we need wisdom. And so this is the very situation that James, in the first chapter, is writing about. Let me read it to you again. James says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. James has just finished talking about trials. I was talking to somebody this morning, right before service, about trials. Yeah, I've had some trials this week. You know, stuff comes at you. Sometimes things happen, and you say to yourself, why is it happening to me? And you just can't figure it out. What, 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 what did I do to deserve this? And yet you're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a difficult circumstance, and you're not quite sure how to figure it out. What should I do? And James says, when you get to that point, if you need wisdom, in other words, there are times when wisdom is needed, but we just don't have it. We, we, we'd like to have it, but we just don't have it. James says, ask our generous God. So, if I could summarize this text that we're reading this morning, it's this, and it's in your notes. Life creates a demand for wisdom which God supplies when the conditions are met. You know, one of the biggest words in the Bible with the greatest impact is one of the smaller words. It's the word if. Hmm. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. A series of actions, God says, if you do that, and James is saying, if you want wisdom, Come to God. Wisdom involves the practical use of that knowledge to deal with life's issues. 
There's a theological definition of wisdom that I think is interesting. Well, Webster defines it as the ability to make the right use of knowledge. But the theological dictionary says wisdom is prudent, considered, experienced, and competent action to master the various problems of life. So we see there's an aspect of knowledge and wisdom, but it goes beyond that. Wisdom involves the practical use of that knowledge to deal with life's issues. And so uh, my definition of wisdom is this. Wisdom is the convergence of knowledge and skill which enables a person to make the right choice. Everybody say the right choice. That honor God. So according to scripture, wisdom begins with God. Proverbs 1.7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So from a biblical perspective then, if a person does not know God, is not in fellowship with God, then if you don't know him, the one who created all things, you don't know revealed truth and established absolute values, you cannot be wise. How could a person make right choices without knowing God and his truth? So wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. What is that? The reverent relationship of knowing God. The reverent relationship in knowing God. Not, uh, God, I'm scared of you. No, 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 not that kind of fear. It's a healthy respect for God. When I was five or six, uh, I used to go to Grandma's house. And uh, we visited Grandma, and we knew when we were in Grandma's house, don't be loud and rambunctious in Grandma's house. Don't do that. Now, she was loving and she was fun to be around, but we had reverent fear and respect for Grandma and her house. So wisdom begins with knowing and respecting God, and I might add, respecting his house. Amen? So we get a clear perspective on wisdom by looking at his at the opposite, which is foolishness. Proverbs 1.7 says, We learn that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs tells us that fools hate knowledge. The fool is the person whose choices contradict God's truth. Wow. Everybody shout, Lord have mercy. Well, now that we have an idea about what wisdom is all about, let's look more closely at what James says regarding wisdom. So number one, life creates a demand for wisdom. Just life. In other words, when you're living, you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble's going to find you. So it's just about living. And sometimes we think, man, when I get a certain age or if I get a job or I get a girlfriend or I get married or I get this new house or whatever it is we think we'll get to, then our troubles will all be behind us, and yet life has a way of confronting us with stuff. It could be all kinds of stuff, marital problems, financial problems, health problems. Oh, it's it's just life creates that demand. And the truth is, we are in a state of lacking wisdom. We lack it. But wisdom is supplied to those who ask in Faith. Everybody say, ask in faith. Now, we must ask in faith and not doubt. We must ask in an attitude of trust. We must not doubt. The word doubt or dis- means to dispute with oneself. You know, it's like that old thing about, he loves me, he loves me not. <laughs> Should I trust God? 
Should I do it my way? Should I go to church today? Yeah, I think I will. No, I don't think I will. I'll stay home and watch the game. Uh, should I wear this? No, I don't think I'll. Back and forth, back and forth. This. If we come to God and we're just divided loyalties, we are not going to get anything from God. In fact, the doubter is like a wave of the sea being tossed around by the wind, very unstable and insecure. The doubter should not expect to receive anything from God. Now, the doubt James refers to here is not intellectual doubt. It's not the fact that we doubt that there's a God or we doubt that God will answer prayer. We're all in on that. We know there's a God and we know if we pray, he'll answer. That's not the doubt. It's the doubt of divided loyalties. Divided loyalties. It is a vacillating Christian who cannot decide from one trial to the next whether he or she will really trust the Lord and follow his wisdom. The on and off again Christian should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, let me wrap this up. I love the words of Abraham Lincoln. This is what he said. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Wow. Can you identify with those words or those sentiments? Yeah, it's just beyond me. I need God to step in here. God is the one who can bring the answer. The one who himself delights to give wisdom to those who ask with a trusting heart. Have you asked God for wisdom? Have you? We need to ask him for wisdom in our marriages, wisdom to parent our children, wisdom to deal with difficult relationships, wisdom to minister to others. We just need to ask. Hmm. That's it? That's all you got, Pastor Henry, this morning? <laughs> yes, that's it. Because asking comes back to prayer. Prayer is the foundation of a life of faith. If we pray, God will act. I, maybe a few months ago, Kathy and I were talking over a serious issue. And actually, we've had this conversation more than once. But we were talking over the issue, and I was telling her what I planned to do. And then she just looked at me real plain, and she said, Henry, have you prayed about this? And I looked at her, and I said, no. The answer is obvious. And she looked at me and said, You know, there are times when I'm tempted to say to God, God, I got this. I got it, God. Now, when I need your help for something else, I'll come running to you. But it's very clear to me that I know what to do and I know how to do it. You know what the Bible says? Pride sets you up for what? A fall. And the issue is, and the reason why this is so critical is that you and I, I'm right in there with you, we are so independent and self-sufficient. I want to handle it myself. 
And to ask God is to admit that we don't know. But we don't. And we need to ask him. Concluding thoughts on wisdom. I call these bonus thoughts. Thomas Edison. The three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first, three things. First, hard work. Everybody say hard work. Second, stick to Repeat that, stick to And the third, common sense. Those are pretty good. Henry Ford said this, don't find fault. Find a remedy anybody can complain. Hmm. Now, I don't think either of these two people were Christians necessarily, but it's good wisdom, and we need to accept wisdom wherever we find it. We must learn to embrace wisdom, but the greatest wisdom of all of course, it's from God. So if you need wisdom this morning, God says, ask me. I'm generous. I want to give you. And guess what? I'm not going to judge you for asking. In fact, I am waiting for you to tap in to my matchless, superlative understanding of the times that we're in and exactly who you are and what you need. Just ask me. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Let us pray together. I want us to take a few moments this morning to ask God. What do you need this morning? What have you been trying to figure out on your own? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to continue in our worship after we receive the offering. But let's take a few moments of quiet to ask God. Well, God, I've been dealing with this for a long time and I've been asking you, and it's, I don't see any change. Sometimes God is waiting to see if we'll change. Because if we'll change, he can empower us to change the situation. If we'll admit we need his wisdom. Father, we don't have it, but you do. Thank you for your word, which is a light unto our pathway and a lamp unto our feet. As we petition you, as we bring our request to you, we do so with open heart. And we ask you to shine the light of your truth into our own personal darkness. Because we need you. And we thank you. Now our heads are bowed and 
I'm going to ask you as I conclude this talk this morning, as you've been thinking and meditating and considering choices that need to be made, wisdom that you need from God. Yesterday morning, we had a, uh, a leadership vision casting time, and Judy has brought a beautiful word to us, and at the conclusion of her word, she threw out a challenge that we would, we made a request that we would stop long enough to wait and listen for the answer from God not be in such a hurry to figure it out or to do something but to listen So, Lord, help us not only to be hearers of your word, but also doers. In Jesus' name, amen.